I need you to help me out this morning. I need you to be a bit vocal. Okay, so if you like something I say, talk back to me. Tell me it's good. Help me out a bit while I'm up here. Um, so I've titled this talk, From Passion to Purpose. And really what I want to talk to you guys about today is how God transforms your life from insignificant to fulfilled. We're going to talk about something, and I'm going to use a phrase called your God dream. And what, by that, what I mean is it's the dream that's revealed to you by God. It's something much bigger than what you probably have in your heart already, and it's something that, that can push you much further than, than where you think you can go. And we're going to talk about where God's called you to. Where has, he, where has he put you in life? Where are you feeling that he's directing you? But do you know, the most common uh, answer I get to the question, what do you feel called to? Where do you feel called to? Is that, I, I don't know. I haven't figured that bit out yet. I'm still trying to, still trying to figure out where, what God's doing in my life. And you'd actually be surprised at how God moves and reveals this in your life. You'd be surprised at how he moves and, and reveals things to you. It's not actually how you'd expect it to happen. Um, So we're going to sit in the book of 1 Samuel today, um, and specifically 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 13. I've got a bit of scripture to get to, so you'll have to bear with me for a second, but it's going to come up on the screen so you can go along with me. So 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 13 says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your home with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled. When they met him, they asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, this is one of Jesse's sons, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider him or his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. There's another preach there, but we're not going to focus on that today. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all of your sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in, and he was glowing with health and fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now, let me explain to you just real quick what just happened there in a real brief overview. Basically, this guy called Samuel comes uh, looking to anoint the next king of Israel. The king of Israel is basically the top dog. He rules absolutely everything. Um, And he finds David. And David um, is a shepherd. Now, in the culture where David lived, uh, that 
pretty much was the worst job you could have. You were seen as insignificant. But we'll come to that in a bit. I want to ask you a question. In your life, are you content with where you currently are? Some of you might actually say yes. Some of you might say no. And I get it. Like School can be tough. Like College can be difficult. If you work, it's, it, it drains all your mental energy out of you. And it can be hard to be okay with the fact that that's tough sometimes. I once did um, an internship at a fairly large church. I'm not going to tell you which church it is. Um, but I came into this internship with a certainty, right? A certainty that I knew God had called me. Like I, on my heart, I felt like I, you know, God had asked me and, and, and I had accepted that I wanted to be a pastor. So I came into this internship and I was like certain. On the first day, I walked up and I was like, yeah. Like, now I'm here, they're going to let me preach, they're going to let me become a pastor. And I thought that they would see that in me. I expected them to see that in me, but they didn't. Because what happened then when I was asked to go into hosting team? I stood there. I didn't say this to them, right? But I looked at, I looked at them when they said that. And I was like, well, how, how can that grow me? What is this going to do for me? Like, what, what on earth can the hosting team do for me? Like, how can, how can I grow? And you see, my attitude rested on the fact that I felt called to be a pastor and I let that tell me where I could serve. And I completely missed the importance of what I could learn in being on hosting team. Because I tell you, if I didn't go on hosting team, I probably would never have been able to get to the point where I am today. Because the, the lessons I learned when I was on hosting team were so important, they taught me how to be a pastor. I had to become a servant before I could even think about becoming a pastor. You know, on hosting team, I learned how to welcome people. I learned how to talk to people. I learned how to welcome them in and smile. <laughs> I don't smile that much, but um, I, that's, that's what I learned. And, and, you know, sometimes we can be the same. You know, we can, we can view our life and where we think we're going and completely miss the importance of where we are right now. You see, David was a shepherd. He had an ordinary life, okay? It wasn't actually that ordinary. It was substandard. It was lower than average. To be a shepherd in that time you are considered insignificant. Like, it's worse than not having a job. David's in the field, he's with the sheep, and he's considered insignificant. He's pretty much there to look after the sheep and to serve his brothers and his father. I don't mean, like, when your mom calls down from the bottom of the stairs to do the dishwasher. I mean, this was all that he was built for. David's life was insignificant. But so when Samuel comes to town, and he's like, I'm looking for a son of Jesse, which was David, by the way, he was, one, he was a son of Jesse. And there's a guy that is going to change his life. Why is David still in the field with the sheep? Like, what is he doing, bro? Like, Samuel's over here, and he's like, I'm looking for a son of Jesse. I'm going to anoint him as king of Israel. He could pretty much change David's life in a moment. But David's still in the field. And his brothers are all look like front and central. I pick me. I'm a son of Jesse. But David was in the field with the sheep. So there's something here that he's captured that, that we haven't seen yet. You see, the significance in the fact that David was more bothered about carrying out his duties than he was about seeking fame. He knew God had a call in his life, but he didn't know what it was. And he knew that God had put him in the field with the sheep where no one could see him. And sometimes we can fall victim to doing exactly the same as what David was doing, but we think about it wrong. Sometimes we can feel, uh, fall victim to not actually being content with where we are, not being content with school, not being content with college, not being content with where we work, and we label it as insignificant. We label it as something that can't grow us and something that can't move us forward in life. 
And we completely miss the importance of where we, are, where we were right now. Because you see, in the field, David learned how to be king. Before he, beco- he could become king, he was a shepherd. And that's where he learned to become king. And let me tell you, like, school, college, wherever it feels insignificant to you right now, like, that's the place where God is teaching you and he is crafting you to be the person where you can move to, the person that I just spoke about, that God dream on your life. That's where you become that person. You know, David really understood the importance of valuing where he was assigned rather than where he wanted to be. Did you see that in the text, like in the, in the scripture, it didn't mention once what David was hoping for. Like, not, it didn't say David wanted to be king. We just see what God revealed to David, and that was his God dream. That's what I'm talking about. That God dream I spoke to you earlier, it's not exactly what we expect it to be, but it's what God uses us for. Everything in our life, even our talents, our passions, and even the stuff that we hate, God uses all of that, and he moves it into your God dream. And that is the person that you are destined to become. And you might not even know what that is yet, but it's in you. It's in you. And we need to get into the place where God can reveal that to us. We need to... To, to, to move ourselves because we're looking in, in, in all the places that we want it to be. We're looking in all the places where we think we could be good. We're not even looking where God's looking. I guarantee that David probably had an idea for his life, but he didn't have an expectancy to become king. So why do so many of us not know where we're called to? You know, I think that, that the simple thing is, is that how well do we know God? How, how much, I'm not trying to guilt trip you, like, I just want you to realize how much potential you've got, but how much do you open your Bible, how much do you pray, if you're a Christian, like, how much, how much do you know God, how much do you seek him, because if we're going to make an impact in this world, guys, like, I'm being serious now, like, not messing about, like, if, if we're going to make an impact, if we're going to see our friends come to Hyatt and meet Jesus, if we're going to become a missionary, if we're going to go and see people saved, then we need to seek God. We need to get our heads where God's at because when we get into where God is, that's where he reveals your God dream. And that's where you become the person that you were always supposed to be. You see, if we focus on our problems, we'll just create more problems. Like if you see your current situation as insignificant, it will stay insignificant. But if you look at it with possibility in mind, all you're going to do is create yourself more opportunity. Let me, let me just say that again. Like you're, if you focus on your problems, all you're going to do is create more problems. If you focus on the possibility, you'll create more opportunity. You see, David, David knew this. David in the field with the sheep, he knew that this wasn't where he was going to be forever. And I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about where it feels hard at the moment. I want you to think about where you struggle And I want you to see the possibility in it. And I know that's easy to say, but we're going to unpack this a little bit more. I'm going to move on to my second point. um, And it says, uh, God took David to the most unlikely of places. Um, And on the screen, Adam, it should say detour, the detour. Turn to the person next to you and say detour. Saul's attendant said to him, See an evil spirit from the God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the liar. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. 
So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man. And the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent his messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David. He is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and and sent them with his son David to Saul. Now let me explain this a bit. Um, David's just been anointed as king. Okay, David's just been told by Samuel, you're going to be king of all of Israel. So why on earth is he going to become a servant? Why on earth is he going to be in the palace with the current king, who actually, in a few scriptures' time, but we won't get into that today, tries to kill David. Why, why, why does he become a servant? I struggle, right, to think that the next logical step in David's head is like, yeah, I've just been, I've just been anointed king. Let's just go to the palace and play the harp. Like, like, really? Really, David? Like, is this, where, is this where you think that you're going? He probably didn't think that. And you see, David, David caught something here. And I'm going to use an illustration, right? Does anyone, does anyone even like traffic? So, do you hate traffic? Yeah? Hate traffic. And to the point where, right, you're in traffic, right, and your dad or your mom in the front starts twitching. Every time, every time a car pulls out, and they start getting really frustrated, and you're not getting anywhere, and you're stuck. And they get to the point where they're so frustrated that they move and they go off the motorway and they're like, right, we're taking a detour. Yeah? And like when my dad does this, I'm like, dad, you haven't even got a sat-nav. Where are we going? And, and you know, the thing about detours is, is that you don't even know where you're going. You can't see where you're going. It's not familiar. And everything within you is second-guessing yourself and saying, I just want to get back on the motorway where I can see where I'm going. But how many of you know that in your detour, you actually end up at the right place at the right time a little bit earlier than you normally would have anyway. And you see, if you just stayed on the motorway, if you just stayed put, you'd probably still be hours away, probably only half, away, half an hour away from home. And you see, David had an experience like this. David, David after he's anointed, in the serv- he goes into the service of Saul and he's playing the harp for him. He's just been anointed king. And as I said, like, Saul tries to kill David. And sometimes God will take you directly to the place where you never thought you'd be. And he even might walk you into the middle of the place that could even destroy you, but he uses it to empower you. Like, I'm talking about the stuff you struggle with. I'm talking about those mental problems. I'm talking about the stuff that you struggle with at school. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about all that stuff that you keep quiet, that you don't even tell anyone. I'm talking about that stuff. That stuff is the stuff that God uses to move you to a place where you could be just like David, to be the king, to move into that place where that God dream on your life, even if you don't know what it is yet, is coming into reality. He's moving in your life and he is pushing you further than you ever thought you could be. All you want to do is say, can I just go back onto the motorway? Can I just go back where I can see things? But actually by doing so, you're just going back into the comfortable seat and you're saying, God, I don't want to do what you're asking me to do. You see, David, David, when he was in the palace, knew that this was the place where he would be empowered. And this is the place where God would make him king. You see, the difference between when he was told he was king and when he was made king was when he was in the palace serving Saul. Because when he became a king, he'd become a servant first. This is the exact logic that God uses on your life to transform you into the person that you're destined to be. 
I wonder maybe like if you served on car park team, whether God would start changing things in your life. I guarantee he probably would. Like we can all sit there and we can say, well, what is the point in serving? What is the point in us, you know, going and, and welcoming people and smiling at them at the door? What does it actually do? Apart from the stuff that it helps people, it does something inside you. Something that you can't see, but God sees. And we need to start seeing our problems and our insignificant areas in our life as something that can grow us. as something with possibility in it. Something that can push us forward. And what we see, right, when David's in the palace um, and he is he's serving Saul, what we see is that he views his biggest frustrations as his biggest teachers. Now, what I mean by that is that his, his problems were the things that taught him about life. His problems were the things that, that he used to teach him how to grow. He viewed them not the same way that we view things, you know, when, when, when you're struggling with your homework or you're struggling with your exams. He didn't see it as a problem. He saw it as a possibility. And, you know, your ability to learn and endure through tough times and, and, to, and to get through the things that you really struggle with entirely depends on how well you know God. How, how, how much are you opening your Bible, you know? And, and often it can be the biggest battle in your head is just a question mark. It can just be, am I good enough for this? Can I do this? There's no one else against you. It's just your, it's just your head. And if you see God, if you open your Bible, if you pray, it's not just because we tell you to. It's because it gets your mind into a place where you stop doubting yourself because the voice in your head is not you, it's God. And he's not putting a question mark over it anymore. He's not saying, are you good for this? He said, I've called you to this. I've said that you can do this. You have the authority to do this. You have the authority to go into your school and tell your mates about higher talk to see them saved, to make a difference. Like the real reason we're here on a Sunday, right, is not just because our parents bring us, it's because we want to make a difference. You know, it might start off that our parents tell us to come here, but we stay here because we know God's got a call and we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to move forwards and we're trying to figure out where he's calling us and what we're supposed to do. I'm telling you, get open with your Bible, seek him. He'll reveal it to you. He'll reveal that God dream on your life and he'll push you further than you thought you could go. And that starts at school. That starts with your issues. That starts in those areas of insignificance in your life. And then my third point is, um, it's called identity crisis. Now there's one line of scripture that I want to illustrate this with. It's in 1 Samuel 18, 23. And David says, if I can find it. It says, I am a little poor man. Do you think it is small a matter to become the king's son-in-law? I'm only a poor man and little known. Now, bear in mind, right, in this part of the scripture, David is probably one of the most respected men in all of Israel. Like, he is the top dog. Like, apart from the king Saul, who's got his own issues and is on his way out, David's like the guy. Everyone knows who David is. So why does he describe himself as a poor man, little known? It's because he knew who God said he was. It's because God had brought him to a place and he knew everything about his success was to do with God. He knew that everything that God had said about him and done through him was because of him and not himself. 
so, so, so David knew who he was, but I want to unpack this with a personal story. See, mental health was a huge issue for me in my teenage years. Um, when I was 16, I had severe anxiety problems um, to the point where I knew where every single mirror was in my house. I knew um, where every single mirror was on my daily route to school or whatever. I was so caught up in my anxiety, I even got um, anxiety attacks like three or four times a day. And my body started responding. And I got this thing called alopecia, where patches of your hair fall out. So this, this, this um, anxiety was so crippling to me that I couldn't even live my life anymore. I stopped. There's been times where I just lay in bed and I knew that I couldn't move because if I did, my anxiety would just click and I'd be gone. I'd be out for the day. But that's not what I'm going to focus on. I want to focus on what it taught me because it taught me who I really was. And everything I've spoken about, this God dream on your life, God revealing it to you, it's all to do with your identity. If, you don't, if we don't focus on identity, then none of that's going to work out. You see, I think a lot of us get into a crossroads in our life where we ask ourselves, like, what does God want us to do? And we start chasing it, or you know, we start chasing what we think it is, and we, we get caught up in everything that's happening in life, and then we forget actually who we really are, and we get caught up in our frustrations, and then by the time we get to where we feel like we want to push into what God has for our life, we realize we're not the person that we think we are and that we can't actually fulfill that. And we, and we get caught up in these frustrations and, and, and we deal with this in a, in a number of ways. For me, it was anxiety, but for you, it could be something completely different. But let me tell you, it's a sign that's God work, that is working in your life because through that, I had to lose myself to find myself. God taught me who I was through losing myself. That when David went to the palace and Saul tried to kill him, David learned who he was because he saw God work in his life. He saw what God had said about him. He saw how God protected him. He saw what God was doing in his life and he saw everything that was possible for him and he started to believe what God was saying about him. He started to actually believe that, you know, you know when we tell you that you are more than just what you think you are and, and that you're, you're not insignificant and you're not a shepherd like David was. You have possibility. You have a calling. You have a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. Like we mean that, but that in this scripture right here is what David's seen. And God has said to David, do you know what? Saul might be trying to kill you. Saul might be coming against you. You might be in the worst place in your life, but you know what? It's a sign that I'm going to do something. It's a sign that I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to empower you. If you've got problems, if you've got issues, I've got good news for you because God's going to use that. God is going to craft that and he's going to move that in your life to build you into the person you were always supposed to be. You know, we can get so caught up in the fact that we have issues and problems and we can feel like we're never, ever going to get out of it, but... God is going to use it. Your anxiety, God's going to use it. Your home problems, God's going to use it. The fact that you hate going to school because of that one person that's there, God's going to use it. The fact that you feel you don't belong, God's going to use it. Every problem you face, God can use. He can use what is going to destroy us to empower us. And that's really what I want to communicate to you today. It's not that you, know, you can do whatever you want to dream for. 
It's not that, you, you know, that's, it's, that's great and God can do that in you. You have a God dream, he's going to reveal that. But the first thing that we have to focus on, guys, is do we know who God says we are? Do we actually know who we are? Or are we just trying to figure it out as we go along? Because it can feel like sometimes that we do know who we are, but then at the same time, it can feel like we're completely lost. But if you're lost, it's a good sign because God's about to do something in your life. You know, when we finally get the idea of what it is in our life that God wants us to do, we can get, we can get stumbled because it feels too big. And we're going to go into a bit of response time in a, in a few minutes, but I really feel that God wants to say today that, that there's some people in here that have, have something on their heart and they've had it for a long time, but they've never, ever felt good enough They've never, ever felt qualified enough to do what God has said they can do. But do you know that God doesn't need qualified people? He uses unqualified people. The 12 disciples were probably the most unqualified people to do what they did, yet they changed the world, and they are the reason that we are here today. That thing you don't feel that you're good enough, that, 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 that thing inside your heart, you think about every time you go to bed is the very reason why God says that you can do it. You're unqualified, but that's fine. God uses broken, unqualified people. You see, David's humility in this scripture speaks a thousand words because, because he said that he's little and, and poorly known. And this can speak to us in so many ways, but because we live in such an identity crisis, it doesn't matter that we are poor and little known. It doesn't matter that nobody, like that we feel like we're insignificant. It doesn't matter that we feel like we can't do anything that God asks us to do. It just matters that God says we can. And it's, it's, it's okay to know that, but it's also okay to know that God can do that through you. He, it's not about us. It's about what he can do. Right, let me tell you, you are not what has happened to you. You are what Jesus has already done for you. That moment he died on the cross, that moment he died for your sins and gave everything for you is what defines you. It's not what happens to you. It's not your anxiety. It's not your home problems. It's not your relationship problems. It's when he died on the cross and said, do you know what? All that stuff you struggle with, I'm going to use it. It's broken. It's unqualified. It's insignificant, just like David was at the start of this story when he was in the field with the sheep. But you know what? That's the very thing that God uses. That's the very thing that he died for us for. If I could ask Dan and Matty to come back up for me. I really feel that God wants to do two things this morning. Um... And it's two very different things. The first one is that I feel like a lot of you in here don't even know what you're called to, and that's okay. But God wants to reveal that to you. He wants, he wants to come into your life. He wants to tell you that he's got a bigger plan for you and that you can do much more than you thought you could. David was a shepherd. How on earth did he turn into king of Israel? 
There's people in here that have callings on their heart that can change the way this world works. It can change the trajectory of not just your life, but everybody's life that you touch. So we're going to pray for people that feel like they want to know what God has for them. And it's going to be a bit uncomfortable because I want you to think about the biggest thing in your life that you would ever want to do that scares you a little bit. Like, because it's not supposed to be you who does it. It's God who does it. And it's God who does the incredible and the impossible. Think of the impossible and what you could achieve with your life. The second group of people um, is people who deal with mental problems. And they, they, they struggle with their head. They struggle with their identity. They really want to know who they are, but they're in a bit of a mess inside their head. And it's, it's hard to figure out where God is even in the middle of it. God wants to do some business with you today. He wants, to know that you're, he wants you to know that you're called, but he also wants you to know who you are. And then he wants you to go. And then he wants you to talk to your friends at school about Hayatoa. And then he wants you to chase that call that he reveals in your life. Guarantee you, if you start opening your Bible this week, he'll reveal something to you. You'll get to a point in your life where you're like, actually, God, like, I feel like I could do this with you. It's not just insignificant anymore. School isn't just a chore. Coming to church on a Sunday isn't just something you do because your parents tell you to. It's, it's actually something much more than that because we now see it with possibility rather than just insignificance. So there's going to be a group of leaders at each corner. The left-hand corner, my left, is where we're going to pray for people who want to see the call on their life. And then the right-hand corner is where people are going to go when they want help figuring out where their head's at. Where does God put our identity? Dan's going to play, and we're going to pray for you. So leaders, you could make your way to the, each corner of the room. Um, so decide for where you feel called. If you, you want to figure out where God is calling you to. And this side if you struggle with your head and you really want God to provide some peace and clarity. So I'm going to pray and then Dan's going to start playing. And then we're just going to do some business with God this morning. And he's going to do the stuff that we can't and the things that only he can. Father God, thank you that you can transform the insignificant and the painful into something that is meaningful Father I thank you that you do the impossible with our problems Father that we don't just have to struggle that we don't just have to sit here and feel insignificant unqualified and broken just like David did at the start in the field but we can feel called, filled with purpose on a mission that's going to change the way that people think about their life. That's going to save people's life. Guys, I know that this feels like it can just be like a motivational talk. But actually, what's going to happen here is that 
this call that I'm talking about, this God dream, it's going to set you on a path in your life and it's going to enable you to do the incredible things that we see in the world that we think that we can't do. There are people in here that are going to become missionaries. They're going to go to countries and the, or they can stay here. But they're going to go and they're going to tell people about Jesus. They're going to support the communities and they're going to bring real change into the, the places where people need it the most. There are people in here that are going to be pastors. You're going to lead churches. Like the... Like, the call to be a pastor is, is, a, is a unique thing, right? But, but there's people in here that are called to lead people, that are called to direct people and inspire them to move to a place in their life where, where they find purpose. There's so many things on people's hearts in here. And it's about time that we stopped seeing things as insignificant and we got serious with God and that we saw the possibility in our situations and realized that God has a call for us and we need to take it seriously. Like God's got work to do through you. There are people who need you. Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room and I pray that you reveal their call to them their God dream Father I pray for those that struggle with their head they struggle mentally they struggle at home they struggle at school Father I pray that you would bring peace and clarity into their life this morning and Father as we go into a response time now and we, and we, we do some business with you Father I pray that you would your Holy Spirit would come upon them and that it would feel as though things are different. Just do the things we can't, Father. Okay, guys, so Dan's going to play. If you feel like that is something that you want to respond to, then just go to either one of the corners. All right? <laughs>